Good morning and welcome to Wombs with a View, Maternal Musings with Jenny and Mika. I'm Jenny and I'm here today with Leslie Everest. Good morning. So uh, who is in, in this world or maybe not even in this birthy world, you might know the name Leslie Everest. I was just telling her that I would like to call her an institution and she said, just not a shitty one. <laughs> here is one of the one of the first doulas in town, to my understanding, here in Montreal, and she's the she's the founder of Mother With Mother Wit Doula Care. Which, if you've been looking for a doula in town, certainly this has come up on uh, on Google and word of mouth. Uh, she's also a mother of four, and uh, she has a recent certific certification in infant sleep education, which which uh, is going to be the subject uh, of today's chat. There are many things that we could speak about with Leslie and uh, we thought that this would be a fun one to uh, to talk about so maybe I could ask straight off when we say responsive nighttime parenting what what does that mean Leslie that means taking care of a baby according to their biological evolutionary needs that means when they call out for support it's trusting that they need to be co-regulated by an attuned adult in order to settle and to go back to sleep because a baby does not have the cognitive ability to go oh you're tired okay if you just let me hear cry for a little bit i'm going to learn how to fall asleep mm -hmm. that is not what happens on a brain level at all for a baby so it's really about meeting those needs and teaching a baby over a lot of different repetitive experiences of soothing how eventually for them to be able to take that up themselves and learn how to sleep on their own it takes a while so it does take a while and of course there's no magic number we get asked as doulas all the time you know when will my baby do this or when will my baby do that including when will my baby sleep through the night yeah. uh, we get asked these things all the time every baby is so different every parent is so different but in terms of uh you know uh, maybe I don't even want to ask that question. I mean, yeah, give us a ballpark of how, how long we might be going into this nighttime parenting adventure. If we want to be there for our babies when they're calling out to us, are they five years old? Are they five months old? I certainly have my own experiences, but mm. uh, what, what kind of thing do you see in your, in your consultation work? You're so your right. Parenting? You're so right. Every child is completely different. You will have some of those super professional babies who are sleeping through the night right from the beginning. We call them dandelions, right? Because they just thrive anywhere. Um, but for the most part, if you're looking for an average, don't expect for you to be able to sink you know, into your night with bliss, sleep your own eight hours and not have to deal with a child at all ever again, probably until like preschool age, honestly, you know, I, I one of my children still woke up until about nine years old. Um, in the middle of the night once a night. Okay, and do you, do you consider that normal? Because yes. what a lot of people are probably hearing is like, oh my God, that child's mom has spoiled them and they cannot make it through the night on their own. And um, you know, this is gonna affect them into adulthood, but, uh, but you consider it normal that a nine-year-old is waking up asking, asking oh, I'm yeah. putting this question out there. I still most nights co-sleep with my 
very large humans. So <laughs> just, to, just to say that um, it's definitely not mainstream thinking to think that it's normal for a child to still be waking up. It's not even mainstream thinking, you know, for, for I often have moms who are like, oh, he's six months old and he's still waking up to eat at night. And I guess what we're saying is that can still be quite normal. It, it is totally of, normal. It's biologically yeah. normal for almost everybody. The whole construct of being able to expect an eight hour sleep really only came about um, at the time of the Industrial Revolution. Before that, people used to have more biphasic mm -hmm. sleep and a lot of more traditional societies still have that. So people go to bed a little bit after sundown, they sleep some and then they get up in the middle of the night and um, spend like some time with their community in liminal space. So it's a very kind of different brainwave where there's more oxytocin, there's more creativity, it's quiet, it's firelight, and then people go back to sleep. So if you're working in a traditional um, society, if you were like living in one, there would always be somebody up at night to care for a baby while a new parent got extra sleep. So they would breastfeed their baby. And then if they were tired, they would hand it off to an old man. And then that old man would want to go to sleep and they would hand it off to an auntie. And so throughout the night- So we come back to this somebody. again and again with the lack of a village, right? Even forget about during the daytime, we're also lacking the village in, in evening and being able to have some support at night. Um, Alice, who is a new mom, oof. Thomas, I'm wondering how old he actually is now, and I'm, I'm having a feeling. Alice, keep piping in as we read these comments if you have more questions for Leslie. Um, but it's not the waking during the night. It's the ability to handle that on their own and fall back asleep again on yeah. their own. It's and, and so hard. It's so hard, and I hear you. The issue is that babies do not have the brain equipment to be able to do that on their own without exerting a lot of very strong conditional forces upon them to do that. So when babies are born, they have a part of their brain that's very active and, and aware. It's called the amygdala, and it's always looking for signs of danger, right? What they don't have is a sophisticated hippocampus. And I'm super simplifying this in terms of the brain. They don't have the ability to go, oh, I need to put myself back to sleep. So the whole concept about babies learning to self-soothe is not true. They cannot do it without a lot of intensive training. We can shape their sleep. We can ease them back to sleep. We can give them ideas. We can optimize their sleep. But um, yeah, it's they, they need a regulated adult, ultimately and ideally, to put them back to sleep. Okay, so Alice is asking, okay, great, I'm still that adult now, but like, until when? I think, I don't know, Alice, if you were watching right at the very beginning, there was a, a an older age that popped in there. Okay, so cognitive memory for a child doesn't really come online until at least two to three years of age, but this doesn't mean hourly night waking, <laughs> okay? We would have to look at that if that was happening for sure, um, but it takes about two to three years for a, a child to be able to start feeling safe enough to go, oh, mom is outside the door. When a baby is little, they don't have what's called people permanence. That means if you're not near them, they don't realize that you're just outside the door and coming back. They're not able to make that connection. So the stress they feel is legitimate. 
So what is happening then when you're talking about these these uh, uh, intensive trainings? Um, how can I phrase this in a way? And this is never, uh, Leslie and I have chatted about this, this is never to guilt anybody who no. has felt the need to go through a cry it out or a sleep training. We get it. We've been sleep deprived. We work with new moms every single day of our lives. Um, uh, at the end of the day, mom's mental health is the utmost importance. We yes. do get that. Yes. But just saying in terms of uh, sleep training, this cry it out stuff, what do what do we actually know about the safety of, of how safe these training programs are? Do we actually know uh, do we actually know anything and why we don't. <laughs> do we not? And why do we not know is why what I would okay. like to explore. Yeah. Well, there have been studies of people who believed, okay, sleep training is safe, it's good, we're going to study this. And in the studies, especially a couple of big ones, the Price and the Gladysar studies, they kind of came out and said, it's totally fine to sleep train. But because I love to, you know, be taught by super eggheaded PhDs who study sleep all day long, I, you know, I, I'm that nerd who kind of sits there and listens to all the breakdowns of the studies and what those studies actually do, they do not prove at all that sleep training um, works even because the qualities of the studies themselves had so many people drop out that the numbers weren't robust enough to check anything and they didn't do it in a proper way. There's a lot of ways that if we break it down, we see that it's not, they can't make that claim. Having said that, there's no 100% evidence to say that sleep training is harmful either. However, if you wanted to be a, to be a scientist who said, let's try to prove sleep training is bad, it would be kind of unethical to do the study, wouldn't it? Right? Because you would have to put babies through things that you didn't believe in in order to to say, there, it's bad, and then potentially mm -hmm. have a child who was suffering from that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, there's just such a wide range of, 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 of babies. There's no, there is no evidence to say that if you sleep train a child, it will automatically have problems. It's not a determinant at all. But some babies are more sensitive than others. Some babies have epigenetic tags on top of their genes that predispose them to being way more sensitive to stress mm -hmm. than the average child. And those are, and we might not know that about our babies right away. So those are the kids that we would, I would personally worry about more having an impact and how that sleep training might translate into learning, learned helplessness, which we know is psychologically difficult. Learned helplessness. Okay, so are we talking about, um, you know, if we're, in my mind, a lot of times the the leaving baby there to cry it out until, and there are these like super, I know most of the women who are watching this and who I've had in my life who do do the, the sleep training are doing as gently it. as they <laughs> possibly can, you know, and experimenting and, you know, but there are super intense sleep training methods where I remember reading in a book and being horrified. Leslie, maybe you know, but I can't remember who had written it. Uh, and I think it was quite old, but like talking about like that it would be normal for the baby to actually vomit because they're crying so hard, you know, and um, uh, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know many people who are going quite to that extreme, but I'm just, I'm just wondering, and I have my own, my own feelings, what we're actually teaching a child who is crying as its only form of communication when we don't though, we don't then go in and help that child. What, what message are we actually giving to the baby? And you kind of touched on it, but. 
Yeah, that nobody will come. So, you know, the learned helplessness. It's working. Yeah. It's working, it's, but they're sleeping. It's working, but they're not. This is what the studies have actually shown, is that if you are using actigraphy to measure a child's, you know, vital signs and stuff, a lot of the babies who are sleep trained are still waking up. They're just not calling out because a lot of them have learned that nobody's really going to come. So they are actually still awake, but the parents are sleeping. So they're not necessarily aware that baby might be kind of tossing and turning it's a little fine. bit, that the yeah. baby's not sleeping, not calling out. And for some babies, that might be totally okay. And, but for other babies, maybe not. We don't have the evidence on it, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. If we look at studies of stress and brain development in other areas outside of the sleep training world, there are some good circumstantial things that would definitely make you think about it for sure. But having said that, we live in a society that is so full of stress right now more than ever that it's absolutely understandable and logical that people want to do this because, you know, we're alone at night with our babies, especially now in this time of COVID, right? We have to commodify care in the middle of the night by paying for it if we don't have access to it through family and friends. And so now a poor tired parent is the one doing all the nighttime parenting and then in fact having to get up in the day and do all of this stuff. Of course people want to sleep train. I'm not upset at people for wanting to do it. I'm upset at a society that it's has a society to do that it. is valued. Yeah. It's, we, 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 we're, this is hitting us over the head of how um, you know it doesn't work. COVID, we're realizing yeah. how we were always alone and now we're really feeling how alone how alone we really we're are feeling when the moms and the aunties can't come and help and um, what what then, Leslie? In your practice of um, uh, sleep consultation, what are some what are some things that you help parents with to sort of be on a more more gentle, natural way of uh, favorizing sleep in a way that is maybe not uh, not as intense as some of these other other methods we're talking about? Well, I start with them first of all. I ask them how their birth story was because that impacts things. I ask them what the, the feed, how they're feeding. I ask them what their stress level is like. It's very hard to co-regulate a child when your own nervous system is fried, right? And so we work on coaching methods to help parents come into their own nervous system coherence. I also look at the baby as a body worker and as a tummy time instructor, there's so much sleep information out there. It's not going to land on a baby that's struggling with tightness on one side and major asymmetries and, you know, oral tethers and stuff without getting into the baby's body. So those are things that I also look at um, it, and coaching people on what happens inside you when you're stressed. Because a lot of the people who are sleep training today are people who have been sleep trained themselves. And so hmm. there's nothing like being a new parent to activate our own inner babies, right? Stress around sleep. This is what we've seen. So when I'm working with a parent and baby, there's actually two babies in there that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. I'm working with that, mm -hmm. that inner baby also. So what I look at is just really also optimizing sleep, working with routines, working with expectations, realistic expectations, because there's so many unrealistic expectations heaped on parents and it's not their fault. I have heard out of the mouths of pediatricians, oh, 
leave your baby in the room, close the door. They can cry for yeah. eight hours and it's fine. I've heard that out of the mouths in real time of pediatricians who unfortunately do not have a lot of training in sleep. Yeah, so people are pulled in all kinds of directions. They're pulled, you know, it's feel, you feel like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And that breaks my heart. That's where parents well, I have, are I've at. had the question as a doula or as a yoga teacher, having, having students or families ask, um, when should I start sleep training? In, in proposing it that way to me, I feel like it's an expectation it's an that expectation. We're, we're looking for when do we do it? Because at some point, very recently, it's become, it's become part of the, the program, part of what we do in order to, um, uh, you know, and I, I always say, well, I, I never did it, you know, and, um, and you absolutely don't have to do it, but there's obviously a peer pressure there and the expectation that the, the, the child's gonna be sleeping through the night. Um, but what would you say, what do we say an actual sleeping through the night is for a new baby? Well, for a new baby, it's more, you want a baby waking up about every two to three hours in the first little bit to feed. But I think people have the expectation by about four months old that a baby should be sleeping a good five hour chunk. Some do, but a lot really, don't. And you can just kind of see in the sleep training world how insidious it is. You know, there's more books written on sleep training than there is on ending racism and world poverty. I right? didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that. there's so many, something. so many wow. books on sleep training. So many books. And you know, you kind of have to look at where it was born. Tracy Castles, who is my hero, she uh, does evolutionary parenting. She's so great. She has a podcast and she talks about the history of sleep training, about how it began. It began because there was this weird thought that parents exuded a breath that could poison their baby at night. And so, and and it was also a lot of like formula companies and medicine getting their hands together and creating separation, not to diss medicine or formula. These things are needed. It's just back in the day, the, uh, the advertising process was very unethical, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, so the more maternal baby separation there was, the more things would sell. And after a while, it became a sign of prestige and privilege to have your child in another room. So that's only been in the last couple hundred years. Evolutionarily, a baby sleeping alone was like lion bait, right, for the rest of the tribe. Mm -hmm. And so they're designed to stop crying when you pick them up and soothe them because that keeps the community safe. So and then, you know, the government kind of said, well, now you really have to. It's not safe for you to sleep in the room. Your baby should be sleeping through the night, which kind of told people from other countries that their practices from the beginning of time were bad. So there is a lot of capitalism, patriarchy, and racism embedded in the history of sleep training. Oh, something to be aware of. You're saying that, absolutely. No, I remember I tell this story often because I was, I was an accidental co-sleeper, just like a lot of uh, parents end up be just out of desperation of trying yeah. to get some sleep. And back about 10 years ago when I was a very reluctant uh, co-sleeper, maybe you, you for sure remember this, Leslie, it was on Facebook, I think these memes, which, you know, I guess there was Facebook 10 years ago. Yeah, there was. Anyway, there was this meme that had, it, it came from the States and it had a newborn baby with a machete beside it. Remember, it, you know, and that meant that if we were sleeping with our babies, that was as dangerous as putting them in bed with a machete. 
um, which I mean, it, it, we'll we'll call bullshit right now on that because it's this old is white man stuff. Yeah, it sorry, is, it really <laughs> is around the world co sleeping, um, and just seeing how how much easier that facilitates. Uh, breastfeeding and how everybody usually gets a, a much better night rest in that way. Are there any other little tips um, that you can give the, these new tired parents um, in in uh, trying to favor eye sleep in those beginning beginning not even days because we know everything is is a little upside down topsy turvy in those first days and weeks. But as we get out of the thick of things around three months, that kind of thing, if baby is still waking up a little bit more than we would like him or her to, what are some tips you would give? those parents? Um, don't worry, this will pass. Mm. Around four months old, babies do have a, an explosion of development. And, and you can see the word sleep regression. What a cruel, yes. awful term. Yes. That is just like sleep crutches. What a cruel, down. Yeah. awful, awful term to make mothers feel horrible. If you don't do these, then your baby is having a regression and needs crutches. Wow. All right. We also have to think about what's behind these things. Um, so a lot of those things are totally going to pass. There are going to be periods of development where babies will wake every hour sometimes. And yeah, it's exhausting. You need help. You need support. But um, what can you do? You can pay attention to your baby's signs of sleep cues instead of looking at a clock, looking at the baby. Um, because so many people are in sleep prison, right? They're just kind of so imprisoned by the clock and when their baby has to go to bed, maybe we have to get home and put the blackout blinds. <laughs> so number one, please know that until about four months old, your baby doesn't even have circadian rhythms. They don't know the difference between day and night. Sorry, it's, it's nature designed it that way to make sure that you breastfeed a lot at night and create more milk supply. Difficult, but true. Um, so looking at baby's tired signs. So if you're having a baby who's tired, but then you're also, but I gotta get this routine in, then what might be happening is you're pushing your baby past their sleep cycles. And I might, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Alice on here back again. Sweet, sweet Alice with her two her two question marks at the end. So yeah. she says, I'm sure you get this a lot, but I'm afraid that what I am doing now with my baby will shape him forever. I know. So starting at 3 a.m., he wakes up. I bring him in bed with me. Will he expect this forever? So I oh, would love. No. I, mean, I could answer that happily, but I will please, please, uh, Leslie. Could you give <laughs> Alice an answer, a comforting answer? Yeah, <laughs> my my kids are grown. I have a child who's almost thirty, and I promise it does not <laughs> last forever. Okay, I wish it lasted longer. Actually, my four kids, they all bed shared and you know breastfed for a long time and that's not everybody's choice and i'm not trying to promote that but that is a you know full disclosure what i did and i worried about that too but at some point they just they do stop but they need a lot of connection for longer than you think so a child that's having sleep struggles it's not the bed sharing that's necessarily causing it and they or co-sleeping. I'd rather say co-sleeping because that's more encompassing of everything. So co-sleeping means your child is within arm's reach of you and it doesn't necessarily have to be in your bed. Okay. It can be a cradle, bassinet, crib, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's this worry that you're going to condition your child to want it. But actually the opposite is true. The more you mm -hmm. fill your baby's brain needs now, the more organically and fully they will grow into the independence that you're looking for. Our culture values independence so much that it wants to push babies into it before they're biologically ready. 
And what we need to do now more than anything is grow children with brains that have empathy and know how to think a lot for themselves. Yeah, sleep prison, right? Like you have all these crazy expectations and you got to run home from what you're doing. And mm-hmm. it, and that's more stressful than just, you know, popping a bottle or a boob in the baby's mouth and going back to sleep. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, when you just really question why all of these things are in place and realize that you can let this go, you can let this go. You can let this go. Your own nervous system goes, and the baby surrender. It's It's the the surrender. surrender. Stop fighting all the time. And every, every, it's the instinct, right? It's tuning in, and it's it's foreign when we give birth for the first time, where we nurse for the first time, when we, you know, raise it, raise that first or second or third baby. You know, how do we tap into that instinct? And uh, uh, we all have it. Every single one of. I mean, Leslie's company is called Mother Wit. This is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all we all have that instinct. It's tapping into it and knowing that you're doing an amazing job. You're doing what is best for your baby. And um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we get sad when they get I mean, Leslie's kids are a little older than mine. But even at 10 and eight, uh, this this babyhood is sleeping, slipping away. And uh, we yeah. know it's hard in the beginning. It's not like, oh, enjoy your sleep deprivation. That's annoying when people know it's terrible. It sucks. Yeah, it's hard. You know, sleeping according to evolution there it's hard but there is also a lot of beauty in it as well as hard as it was I remember when my son was about 10 he ran up the stairs and I always lay down with him and read to him until he went to sleep until he was about 10 and that was our peaceful enjoy time he was in his own room at this point right but one day it was one day he turned around and said mom you don't have to do this anymore and I'm like whoa I have been doing this for 23 years now. And you're telling me that in this moment, you've decided that it's done. And it was sad. (laughs) It was really hard. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a relationship. And I do find that because mothers and, and babies are so biosymbiotic, right? That means our cells are contained in their cells and their cells are contained in our cells. And we satellite around each other. If you're really, really stressed in the night while that child is up for the fifth time and you're going, oh, you're going to turn into a jerk if I don't, you know, make you sleep. It's activating everybody, right? So a lot of it starts with us. I cannot tell you how many times I will do a sleep consultation with somebody and simply just talk to them on Zoom. And they say, everybody slept so much better. It's because I'm not magic, right? It's just because we got you into a more nervous system coherent state so that's a lot of what i work with mm, thank you so much yeah that can be a good a good prompt for people to maybe listen to that yoga nidra before bed yes. or in the middle of the oh night my God. or magical yes Ma- yoga nidra is, is so important it's good stuff Wow. Uh, Leslie, like the show's only half an hour, unfortunately. I would love to continue talking to you. (laughs) We're so happy to have you on in the later date. Honored to be here. Thank you so, so much. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And for anybody who's watching the replay or has more questions, please leave your comments underneath and and we'll go back and answer them. If there's any other resources you need uh, or if you need to get in touch with Leslie, you can find her. Info at motherwit.ca or you can find me on... Facebook, don't look for L-E-S-L-I-E or you'll never find me. It's L-E-S-L-E-Y. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so, so much. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great day. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.